Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. My name is Tim Allman here with Jake Bessling. How you doing, bud? Good. It's cloudy outside. We got Adam Lamb here helping us out. He's got a beanie on. He looks... Superb, but it's sunny in our hearts, and we anticipate Jesus doing amazing things today. We believe that eternities are changed when a leader chooses to grow. You ready to grow, Jake? Uh, all the time. I'm all ready to time. grow today. Today, we and over the next two episodes, we're going to be hanging out with Canoeing the Mountains. Uh, Jake's copy is sleeveless. I like to keep my sleeves on to kind of, I don't like tabs, you know, I like to throw those in to. Kind of watch where I've been. Mine starts to fall off. So yeah, just, whatever, man. We're just yeah. different dudes. Anyway, Canoeing the Mountains tells this story about adventurers by the name of Lewis and Clark. Now, I love this story. They went on an expedition that was set about by President Jefferson. President Jefferson said, go find a water route, get to the Pacific Ocean, go on a journey. Now, this is what they thought, Jake, that they would get to the Rocky Mountains. They knew the Rocky Mountains were there. They just didn't know they were that rocky and that expansive, right? So they get there and they think they're going to find the Columbia River around there and they're going to coast, right, Jake, all the way to the Pacific Ocean. What did they find, bro? They look out and they're looking to coast and they see the Rocky Mountains. So they take Rocky Mountains and they have the canoes canoes. on their back and it's 1805 Mm. and they're ready to canoe down this river to the Pacific and they have to canoe, quote unquote, the mountains. What Lewis actually discovered was there was 300 years of experts that had been completely and utterly wrong. You see, in front of him was a gentle slope down to a navigable river running to the Pacific Ocean. It wasn't that, it was the Rocky Mountains. So stretched off for miles and miles. I mean, as far as they could see, think about the awe and wonder, and yet kind of being ticked off, honestly. I thought one way, and now what are we going to do? Are we going to run and go home and tell the president we couldn't figure this out? Are we going to adapt and change and and figure this out? We got to ditch the canoes. So the landscape for Lewis and Clark was not like they anticipated. It wasn't the soft, rolling hills. They had to ditch the canoes, put on hiking boots, and go into uncharted territory. Uncharted territory. Leading in the 21st century today, Christian leader, is literally moving into uncharted territory. It is way different. This is not my grandpa's church, Jake. To just set it and forget it, build it, and they will come. Uh, Just everybody come and do word and sacrament here. It's not that way today. And so we literally have to have a posture where it's adventure or die. Innovate or die. Ditch the canoes, because if we keep those canoes on our back, we're going to be weighed down. So there is uncharted territory to take, and it is going to require adaptation, a new way of viewing being a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. Yeah, and it's one thing that you've been trained to do, this one path, you're used to it, you grew up in it, and then you actually have this realization, like, the world has changed around me. How am I going to change and adapt and find new methods in a church setting to reach new people? In an organization, find new methods to continue to have the mission and the vision uh, pushed forward into a 21st century 
Apple computer right off the top of my head. I mean, what a, an innovative place that uh, ditched the canoes um, of different ways of thinking and said we're going to continually adapt to stretch ourselves so that we can put a computer in someone's pocket. I mean, years ago, you would people laughed at um, the leader there to think about that. So Lewis had to adapt. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Lewis was in this story? Lewis was a river explorer. Not that useful, you know? He was ready to, to go on all this river adventures, and yet he had to learn new methods to lead, and it's the same way today. Yep, so we have this this book we're going to walk through, Canoeing the Mountains. Todd um, Bolsinger. We would love for you to pick this up, and uh, we're giving you an overview here, and all of this is found in the book as well, so FYI there. We're going to give you five vital uh, lessons that every leader as a into a Christian congregation or an organization— just anyone into an organization as a leader um, has to learn in unchartered territory. Here's the first vital lesson that every leader needs to know. Understanding um, uncharted territory, the world in front of you is nothing like the world behind you. The world in front of you is nothing like the world behind you. I love this quote by Marshall Goldsmith. He wrote, what got us here won't take us there. So we've gotten here with one thing, but that same thing is not going to take us to the next step. The story of, and we're going to call them the Corpse of Discovery, Lewis and Clark and all of their, their uh, team. team. Yep. The main metaphor uh, of the present moment in history, uh, as we've just talked about, that in every field, every business, every organization and leaders, the rapid change going on in the West um, is just daunting. And it can leave you paralyzed and apathetic. And how do we relate to this? And it's really radically different even the last 10 years, than the last 100 years. It's pretty crazy, the rapid change. It's a VUCA world. It's yes. an acronym. A VUCA world. It's VUCA. volatile. It's uncertain. It's complex. And there's a lot of ambiguity. Volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. You feel it. We live it. And you've got one of two postures. You either lean into that reality or you say, no, 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 no. We're just going to go back to the way things were. We're here to tell you that the world is changing in such a rapid way. We cannot go back as kingdom followers. We got to move forward into uncharted territory. Yeah, for us in the church, I mean, the way we've done church, trained pastors, organized ourselves in big buildings is not working the same way it did decades ago. Um, so all that we've assumed by about leading Christian organizations, all that we have been trained for is really, let's be honest, out of date. So you probably know this and you'd like to talk about what we can do for that. So what would you do about it as Christian leaders? What are we going to do about this living in a, a VUCA world? How do you canoe over those mountains? Let's get super practical here, Jake, about what it looks like to lead as a church leader in uncharted territory. The world in front of us is nothing like the world behind us. Here are two ways which we believe this to be true. The local church used to have this mentality, build it and they will come. Uh, We've heard from some pastoral leaders that, you know what, you're really not successful until you have a lot of debt and you're in uh, a building program. This is no longer true in a post-Christian context where Christianity has been put on the margins. Yet we will do our best work, leader, on the margins. And we can look back for this. We can look to the present and we can look back. How did the early church grow? And in a post-Christian or pre-Christian context, we look to the book of Acts. Jake, how did they how did they grow? What was one of the unusual mechanisms that God used to see growth? Tell me. Martyrdom. Mart- yeah. Suffering. 
Sacrifice, loss, loss, sacrifice, giving up. That's right. And so what does it look like for us today to lean into that story, that past story, and say it's going gonna, it's gonna to shape who we are? Are we going to cower in fear as a leader, or are we going to lean into the Holy Spirit who is doing a new thing in uncharted territory, because we have, as the American church, Jake, for as long as we can remember, and my dad and my grandparents can remember, we have been in a majority position. Right. We have um, had the Christian majority right that was leading. And those words are very polarizing today, and people are responding to those words And we can even lead into this, where our theology is intimately connected to our political stance. And if we're going to lead forward, the message of Jesus has to cross sociological and political bounds, right? That's uncharted territory for a lot of our our parents and grandparents. Yeah, and going back to the early church, I mean, they were citizens in these kingdoms, but they cared less about that, honestly, than their citizenship in heaven and as a Christian— And so that guided them to really go back into places that no one else would go. And so the second point is, it used to be that our institutions, these these macro institutions that um, have built up seminaries, um, leadership, universities, um, listen to the needs of the local church, but that's not always happening now. In a great book, you should read Gospel DNA by Michael Newman, the president right now of the Texas District and the Lutheran Church. The institutions, he says, were adaptive in the early days of the Lutheran Church to meet the various contexts of missionaries and pastors in local contexts all over the United States. And so the institution actually served the local church, not the local church serving all of these institutions. The institutions helped the local church do their job better, but they wouldn't hinder them from um, adapting and figuring it out, honestly, in a local context to do what they needed to do. Institutions offered various routes toward ordination, per se, or, or for one example, and professional church workers based on the needs of the local church. So the local church was actually saying, could you help us in these ways and create these things for our benefit? Not the institution saying what, what they think that the local church needed. So over time, and especially through seasons of decline, which we are walking through here in, in America, mainline denominations all are, are declining. Do you know what institutions start to do? Instead of matching different leaders to different contexts, different sociological groups, different demographics, instead of matching them, we have leaned into batching them. So sending them out, and for us in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we're assuming that all of our pastors and leaders are going to be in places like the Midwest, where there is like a core of really, really solid believers. We're not all the time training uh, to match a lot of our pastors and professional church workers with their unique gifts to be missionaries on on the mission field. Uh, Instead, we're training them uh, to match them to certain uh, similar, very similar Midwestern, mostly white, and by the way, our church body in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod is one of the most white church bodies, but if we're going to grow into the future, is white going to be the majority in about a decade or two? No. I mean, Anglo-American, Saxony, Germany, all that is declining, and we are growing uh, when it comes to those who were uh, 
and African American, Asian, those populations are growing. So how are we identifying and adapting our models for raising them up into the future? Yeah, I mean, we applaud the West Coast districts of the mm-hmm. Lutheran Church. When they receive someone that's been trained one way, uh, they really unlearn some of those things and teach them the methods in which to relate to the culture of the West Coast, which is really different. And as they get those giftings, then they're able to better place them in areas with those giftings to reach new people. So here's, here's the reality, too, is this is no one's fault. This is, it's not like, oh, if, if our president or different district presidents or they just kind of figured this out. This is, over time, a systemic problem that we have not adapted to as, as a church body. Many main lines have not adapted to. And so, therefore, we can take the, we can depersonalize this a little bit and get up and look at the problem with a new lens, invite the Holy Spirit to give us a new lens, and therefore realize collectively that what got us here is not going to lead us there. We're moving into uncharted territory. Yeah, I went on a long road trip recently to Texas and hit cruise control for a while. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you, it was, I don't like cruise control a lot of times because I sort of days off, you know, or it's just like, you know, you're not in the game as much. And so that's, as I heard you say that, that's kind of what has happened over the years. It's kind of, you start to get on cruise control, you're flying at a huge rate, things are going well. But before you know it, you you wake up to the fact that the semi is right in front of you, yeah. and that's that's what's been happening. So let's see what else we can do about it. Our second vital lesson that every leader of a Christian organization or anyone leading an organization should learn in uncharted territory. So this, I think, will give a lot of yes. you some, I don't know, comfort, I guess. You have to learn an on-the-map skill set. No one is going to follow you off the map. Here it is. No one's going to follow you off the map into uncharted territory until they can trust you on the map. So Lewis and Clark, it it wasn't their first journey. No, not at all. No, these guys were crazy competent explorers being asked and tasked by President Jefferson to explore this uncharted territory. These dudes were studs, though, on the map. They were now ready and trusted by President Jefferson to go off the map. So as a young pastor... There were certain things, Jake, and you can, you can think about this. There are certain things that I had to learn to do, right? Marry, bury, baptize, counsel, lead a, a meeting, preach a sermon, uh, administer a, a Bible class. There are certain things that you have to learn. Lead on a the, service. Exactly. Lead a word. Lead the Memorize the words of institution. Please. Thank you. So there are certain things that you have to learn. And, and let, let's say um, a lot of our younger leaders— may want to skip that on-the-map process and move into all of these extraordinary things. You have to learn on-the-map skills before you can be trusted to go off the map. Yeah, it's similar with, uh, honestly, some millennials and Gen Z where they want what their father or mother have, even financially. It took them a long way to get to that point. And so as leaders, taking um, one step at a time, one year at a time to learn all these on-the-map skills. Many times the false assumption then is of those who listening to those who want to explore uncharted territory is that, well, competency in the normal on-the-map skills must be compromised. No, competence is still needed. Just the basic skills are needed. We must be faithful with a little is what we're saying here before we get more to be faithful with. Steward it well. Right now, we're in the process of testing our future pastors as worship leaders. Uh, Pastor Tim and me meet 
at 6 a.m. every Sunday morning with about a dozen guys that are exploring the ministry. It's incredible. If you don't have a group like that in your organization where you're having a pipeline of leaders and you're investing in the next generation of leaders, you should do it. And we're testing them as worship leaders before we'd ever even send them to a seminary or that kind of process. By giving them prayers of the church, um, asking them to do the announcements, uh, do a confession, do a testimonial, and some of them will start to um, share even more of the gospel soon. It's a way to test and see their abilities um, and give them some experiences. I had a call with a brother pastor here recently asking, what's your lay leadership development pathway? Mm -hmm. We've heard you guys are leaning into that, and you want to hear it? It's really, really simple. Serve, lead, coach, direct. Serve training. You got to be on a team. Lead a team then. And then maybe you become a coach who's a leader of multiple teams. And we're not going to hire someone on our staff, on our team, as a director until they have walked that journey. Serve, lead, coach, and direct. Um. Yeah. Why don't you continue on there, Jake? Jake? Or, yeah. yeah, no. Dude, your story, I mean, truly, of... Uh, on-the-map skills is now leading you into this uncharted territory. Your journey as a DCE to a four-year, you guys may not know this, he was a four-year vicar. That's a that's long a time. Long, that's I a long a time. a lot of vicaring. <laughs> yeah. A lot of help. No, but, but seriously, you have proven yourself faithful on the map, and now you're moving into some uncharted territories. What are some of those uncharted territories, bro? Yeah, we have, as a church, launched a new site and it's uncharted territory for us because it means scaling the organization. How can we do what we do on one campus? On two campuses. And so we just met. This is January when we're filming this um, for our first service. And there's a lot of changes going on and adaptability, but so much excitement of how can we t- take the best culture and DNA going on at one place and take it to the next place so more people uh, would meet Jesus. It's uncharted territory, but yet there are mentors and coaches and leaders that have gone before us um, as well, and so that's that's really, really exciting. So now we are really, really getting to the point where we want to um, become very creative and adaptive and uh, want to release all that we have to as many of God's people as possible. So we're going to throw out here to close this podcast three different ways that we believe the church needs to lead into the future. Explore these routes, these these mechanisms for getting the gospel into uncharted territories. First, you look at the book of Acts, Jake, and they had a whole bunch of microsites or house churches. Uh, and we need to lean into that way more Today, I had this brother pastor I was on a call with yesterday ask, what is what is a microsite? <laughs> and I said, basically, it's somebody's home or maybe it's their workplace where probably 20 or fewer believers are gathering, and many of them are, are pre-Christians. They're on the journey to Jesus, and they'll make a profession of faith at some point by the Spirit's power, and then it would be really weird if that leader of that group, that microsite, that house church said, okay, now we need to get you to Pastor Tim and Pastor Jake so that they can baptize you and bring you into the community. No, no, no. We want that person to be on a route to pastor that group, and in time, as the Spirit works and they are led to faith, they would baptize. And then in time, they would oversee the Lord's table. The front door to the church is not going to be many times our churches. It's going to be people's 
homes. And so a few stories that we have right now, one is Brian Radlazovich. I think that's his name. It's a really, really long, I don't know where that name comes from, somewhere in Europe. Anyway, but Brian, tell us Brian's story. He was shot. He was paralyzed. Quite a story. Yeah, living on the streets and went to go get his supplies at someone's house and got into the wrong situation, got shot in the back. He survived and is paralyzed from the waist down. So he's got such a joyful spirit. He continues to go to La Mesa, the table, on Tuesday nights to serve and love and worship Jesus. And, and he's, he's a member. A, he's a member, member at Christ Greenfield and at La Mesa. But and, he lives in downtown Phoenix. And he lives in an assisted living kind of yeah. area. And uh, on Sundays, um, they are watching the live stream of our church. It could be any kind of Bible study, podcast, sermon, worship service, but he's connected to our church. And so... He's now taking the message through the um, the media form there into the assisted living, and he's got like 20 people. And he told Pastor Tim the other day that he has a desire to, in time, um, share more with this group, get more people. He said, like, I could get 50 people into this room to worship Jesus together. That's a micro a microsite. We- so could there be a way that we would get Brian pastoral theological training? You know, he's not going to be called to another space. That's his community. So could the LCMS, the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, become adaptive enough to offer him the training needed at a cost-effective rate? By the yeah, way. I mean, back to your point, it would just be mind-blowing that to have him stall because he would think, well, I can't really say anything in this space. We're just going to play the video and only allow that to happen, but... If Pastor Tim would zoom over after he does a sermon, he should do that live here. Or Pastor Jake should come over to lead the Bible study. Our role as equippers, and that's right out of Ephesians uh, 3 and 4, to equip the body of Christ for works of ministry, is to equip him in every way possible. And so it's a beautiful story. It's Ryan Leith. He's a part of our community. He's been at the 6 a.m. Bible study, learning more about Jesus. Ryan, you've had incredible growth in the Lord. It's empowering to watch. And he's moving to Albuquerque, and he has looked at different churches, and he's like, you know, I think I could lead in time. We'll see what God's Spirit does with this, and we're praying about that. Um, A microsite church in my apartment, in my apartment's, little uh, building that they have by the pool, you know, to hang out in um, and lead. And, and one of the avenues would be to watch the, the live stream. Yeah. It's the Hine family in North Carolina who watches our live stream as well. And they just are thinking it's about us. And we're starting to stretch their imagination to say, no, it could be about inviting people into your home journey group, which could in time lead to a church. It's Ryan Barlow who emailed us the other day and says, I have nine neighbors that don't really know Jesus. And the micro site, micro church there um, would be more creating a space where they could have deep conversations and service level conversations. And in time, he's bringing um, a devotional word, opening up the scriptures and, and praying together. All qualities of what a worship service are as well. What got us here is not going to take us here and there. And I think, man, I get excited Yeah. as I'm thinking about all these different ways the gospel could go forth. And let's go to another one, Kingdom Expanding Businesses and Nonprofits. Pastor, church leader, board leader, you need to diversify your streams of income into the future. And there are so many ways that you can do that. We are exploring right now, what would it look like for us to start a cleaning business? 
See, we're hiring out our cleaning company. We got a good cleaning company that comes in, but we could start our own cleaning company and all the revenue that comes out of that business for us and God willing other churches could go toward kingdom expanding purposes. The sky's the limit. And what it does as you get involved in those things, it really, I'm going to use the word, electrifies your entrepreneurial business leaders. It's electric. They are out there. <laughs> it's electric. Yeah. They are excited that you're talking this way and they want to um, see themselves as uh, co-owners of the vision. And that's one way they're waiting to be tapped into to create new things to reach new people. It's Rick and Lori McClellan who said, I want to start a praises cafe, but then they got starting with La Mesa. And now it's the La Mesa Resource Center meeting daily needs every single day of the week. The third one we want to mention now is the um, cross-church collaboration, cross-church collaboration and support. So we can work together. We're better together as churches. You guys know this. We're starting the Unite Leadership Center right now. We're hosting five congregations to go on a year-long journey to, to learn what does it look like to build an empowering culture. If you're listening to this in another area of the country, you can grab churches and come together and say, this is our strength. Man, if we just got this done, like we're really good on Sunday mornings, but when it comes to group ministry or connection for new folks that are coming in, we're struggling. Could we own and be trained by other churches where they're thriving in those areas more. So every church community has gifts to give and gifts to receive. We must, in the future, not be just autonomous churches, uh, but collaborative churches on mission together. Yep, and then you might already have a circuit meeting or an organizational meeting um, with other companies. How can you then have accountability with them? Say, I, you know, I don't actually think we're going to implement this unless I tell you the vision, and we check in every month to see how it's going. And so, do that. Next episode, we're going to continue on uh, to the to round out the five vital lessons on what it takes to be a leader in uncharted territory. We've gone through um, these two. Now we're headed to the last three. We're really excited. So vital lesson one, the world in front of you is nothing like the world behind you. And no one is going to follow you off the map until you prove competency on the map. Today is a good day. Make it a great day. Sharing is caring. And join us next week for episode two on canoeing the mountains. Pick up the book, take the sleeve off, throw it away. Yeah, whatever. Keep it on. It's cool, man. Yeah, peace. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.